The men and women leading the 21 sports at Campbell University have helped build and guide the Fighting Camels to one of their best years ever. They are talented and hardworking, and most importantly, great people. The kind of people you'd love to just sit down and have a cup of coffee with. Unfortunately, in this 10-second soundbite world we live in, we mainly only get coaches talking about how they won, why they lost, and what's next. This podcast tries to remedy that with two cups of coffee and a recorder. I'm Chris Amire, and this is Coffee with Coaches. John Crooks is one of the top collegiate golf coaches in the country. In total, his men's teams have won 51 tournament titles. His women, 81, the third most coaching victories in the history of women's golf. In his 26 years as the women's golf coach, his teams have finished first or second in their conference championships 24 times. He has coached his women's teams to 14 conference titles and 20 NCAA regional appearances. He has been named the Conference Coach of the Year 19 times. He was named a National Golf Coaches Association Hall of Famer more than a decade ago. Some of his former student-athletes have played on the PGA and LPGA tours. One was an Olympian. Pretty good for a guy who a couple of years out of college was selling insurance. So Coach Crooks, no coffee for you today because you're under the weather. But if this was a well, Coach Crooks, are you a coffee guy? What's your usual coffee order? You know, I'm kind of a little milk, a little coffee, and uh, I can start the day. Well, I know you start a lot of your days early. Let's talk about you way back in the early days. How did you fall in love with the game of golf? You know, I think like a lot of kids, it was my chance to spend time with my father. I mean, I played all the sports in the afternoons after school with the neighborhood kids, but on the weekends, my my dad played golf. And uh, I think Mom probably wanted me out of the house so that... um, um, she'd have a little freedom and uh, I just watched. I enjoyed the time. When did you pick up your first golf club? Uh, well, we're sitting in my office and it's right over there. And um, uh, the, um, I think probably when I was seven or eight. And uh, so, I mean, it's been a part of my life as long as I can remember. Uh, you turned that love of golf into a college scholarship you were out in texas at the university of houston how did you get all the way out there and what was that experience like when you're a high school student you're naive you think you know a whole lot more than you actually know i knew that i was a good golfer i knew that any time i played in a tournament that i had a chance to win and it really didn't occur to me. I never understood the importance of playing in a state championship or a regional championship or a national championship. Whatever I played in, I felt like I was supposed to be able to be competitive and have a chance to win. And so when I won the uh, uh, North, uh, North Carolina State Junior title, uh, well, you know that wasn't a shock to me. Um, when I finished second in the international junior, well, I just couldn't figure out why you know what I did wrong. So, but I got beat pretty soundly, uh, and then the following year I won a national title, and so I figured, well, I could probably go wherever I wanted to go. And the I grew up in Winston Salem, and I grew up at a at a club. The coach at 
uh, Winston-Salem was uh, Jesse Haddix, and he was the coach at Wake Forest. Uh, we played golf together when I was 10 or 11 or 12, and, and, you know, he was a man that he spoke to me and I spoke to him, and we knew each other well, and, and it was just kind of a done deal. That's where I was going to go. But, again, I, I you know, I talked about naive. Uh, I, don't, I didn't, had, didn't have any idea how business worked or how – uh, I'd heard that there was the Arnold Palmer Scholarship, that that was impressive, that that was the biggest tournament, the biggest, most impressive uh, scholarship in the country. And so I told Mr. Haddix I'd like to have that. And he said that it was only offered every two years. And I was coming out the year in between. And I go, well, all right. Uh, he said, but I've got an offer for you. It's just not going to have Arnold's name on it. And... So I said, well, I would ex- explore other opportunities. And the University of Houston had won the NCAAs in 12 of the last 14 years. And they had uh, two of the guys on the team were playing in the Masters that that uh, spring. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Why don't, if that's where the best players are, that's why. That's So they made me the same offer that Mr. Haddix was going to. And um, so I, that's where I ended up. Where did you develop that, for a young person, a successful golfer, but that kind of swagger, that kind of confidence? You're very kind in calling it confidence. That's not what some other people called it back then. Um, I believed I could do what I was trying to do. And I, and, and, and I wasn't afraid to work at it very hard to, to, to do those things. And, and it was like my passion. It was it was that thing that that I look forward to every single day, and when I wasn't doing it, I was thinking about doing it. And um, uh, uh, where did it come from? You know, I tell you where it came from, and I've given this some thought over the years. I was fortunate at our club that we had some great junior players, and they were all older than me. And so when I was in the eighth grade, these 11th and 12th graders that were going on to play at South Carolina or Wake Forest or East Carolina, uh, we played every day, and they took no mercy on an eighth grader. <laughs> and uh, and I had to learn pretty quickly to hold my own, or I'd lose all my quarters. And so um, after a while, then I got a couple quarters. And so uh, I think that really taught me early on how to kind of handle situations and 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 not make or or to figure out ways to solve problems with that maybe even if they were in unconventional I'd give it a try um, and it worked so you were the national junior amateur champion USGA um, yeah. a college career and then after that where does your golf career go from there well, after that, um, uh, I went to Houston and um, um, came back and, and uh, met my wife, and we decided that um, I was a far better golfer than anything else, and so I'd try the try the tour, and I gave it a shot, and um, and I lost. Uh, I didn't get my card. I lost by a couple shots, and. Um, and I kind of was devastated that that it, 
when I say naive, I, I was. It had never. I hadn't planned for a contingency. That was the drill. That was that was the steps that are always going to be. I was going to play, and um, when I didn't get my card, then I was in, in no man's land. That was back in 1970 when you had um, no mini tours. Uh, you so it was either the you, PGA Tour or yeah, nothing. Or, so, or you go home. So you're talking about you out of college, you missed being on the PGA Tour by a couple of shows. Right. And uh, so <clears throat> then the choice was, well, um, uh, Susan and I got married, and, and, and then I had bills to pay, and so um, I tried being a golf pro for a little bit, and that was painful because it was, you know, 12 and 14 hours a day listening to other people play golf. And and I wasn't able to do that. And so um, then shortly thereafter, I just put my clubs up. And, and there really wasn't anything I could compete in. Um, and until I was maybe 26, then I just decided I'd give it a shot again. And uh, then I played it for the love of the sport and I didn't have any other great aspirations and um, so I played and enjoyed it you don't start coaching till the 80s how did you get back into coaching well it, there really wasn't any getting back into coaching I mean it was uh, in 1984 Susan wanted to um, continue her education and she was a uh, registered nurse, and her choices were to go to nursing school and get her master's to be the head nurse, or we could go. Uh, her father and her brother were both lawyers, and they said you ought to consider law school. And she s- said okay, and so uh, that's how we got to uh, Campbell. Now I was in the insurance business and. I was uh, that provided me with enough income to be able to support a family. Uh, and when we got to Campbell, they were very gracious with Susan. And after her first year, she had a great scholarship at Campbell, and um, uh, that certainly helped us make it through. Um, and and as as she was in law school, if I wanted to play at Keith Hills the best players on the golf course during the week were college students. And at the time, Wendell Carr was the athletic director at Campbell, a great man, a former basketball player at Wake Forest, and just uh, uh, he and I kind of hit it off. And and I, and I told him, I said, well, uh, if he ever needed any help, I could help the ki- those kids. And so we didn't have a name for what I was, we do today, and I would have been the volunteer assistant coach. <laughs> you weren't getting a paycheck. There was no paycheck, and there was no schedule, and I never traveled with the team. But um, uh, they would come out, and I'd I'd play, I'd play golf with them. We'd go to the range. I'd show them some things to help them. Uh, we did that for a couple years, and then they won. Uh, I think in '89, um, the Camels won the. Uh, I think it was the first Big South Conference uh, championship, and Wendell was named Coach of the Year, and uh, and, and and you know that was just great. Yeah. And then 
Um, and then in 90, uh, Wendell asked me if I'd want to coach. And I'd really never been a coach or had thought about it. or had, um, But we we talked for several months, and finally uh, I became the, the men's coach at Campbell. I'm still doing it, and I'm just very fortunate. Do you remember what that first page paycheck was or how much you yeah. you coached for a year? What was that? Well, I'm embarrassed to say, so I won't. <laughs> <clears throat> but I did hold out for the fact that I was a full-time employee with benefits. <laughs> and uh, the other offers were not that. Uh, and then after the first year, or the year they hired me, they also started the women's program. And when they hired the women's, when when they started the women's program, it was pretty much we'll we'll take five girls out of the student body and go play golf. And uh, there was a guy who had uh, Mashi Ishi had uh, had exhausted his eligibility on the men's golf team, and but he hadn't gotten his degree, and so uh, Coach Carr gave him a stipend to look after these four girls. He was a 23-year-old yeah. coach of the women's golf team. Of the women's golf team. <laughs> and, of course, he never recruited or never did anything. Yeah. And so um, the team scores, you just don't see any. There are no scores today that resemble those scores. Uh, uh, they shot, if I remember correctly, 400 and 54 and that was the four best scores out of five and so they were averaging a hundred and something and that, and that was in a round yes that was around that wasn't that was and it was the um and and they asked me after a year they asked me after a year what i thought about the women's golf team and 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 again i'm i, I the more I'm around, the more I kind of understand the bigger picture. And I told them, look, um, the women's golf team is a real embarrassment to the university right now, and, and you really need to get rid of it. Um, the uh, I'm trying to build a program at Campbell, and when people pick up the paper and they see that um, uh, the women's golf team finished dead last by a record margin, uh, they don't disassociate men from women. They just know Campbell Golf's not good. And they said, well, we're not getting rid of it. If you think they're that, why don't you take it over? And I really, I knew golf, yeah. but I didn't know women's golf. And so, uh, again, we talked for a while. And the only thing I convinced them of is however much time I spent with the men, I had to spend the same amount of time with the women. Yeah, the fact that the men had had some success up to that point just didn't matter. That that you had that to be successful, you had to be all in, and um, so they they were fine with that. In seven in ninety one, then I became the women's coach as well. You tell a great story when you took over that program about how you filled up the five to take to one of the first women's tournaments that you coached. <laughs> Well, again, it's just hard. It was a different time. And uh, <clears throat> Wendell had said to me, and, and, and the first tournament was James Madison. And it was a tournament that was going to be held on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And 
Campbell had uh, a rule that we did not participate on Sunday. And so I had to call golf courses and coaches around the country and find out, well, could we come and play Monday, I mean, Friday and Saturday and not compete on Sunday? And James Madison said, yes, we could come. Really hard to find tournaments on the East Coast that were that didn't have a Sunday in them. <clears throat> and um, so right before we went to James Madison, Coach Carr pulled me aside. He says, oh, by the way, last year when our team participated, they didn't meet the NCAA standard for the uh, minimum amount of participants. You're supposed to tee off with five. That's how many are on a team. And there were tournaments that we played in, we only had four. And so you're on probation. You're going to need to have five to every tournament. Well, you know, now I've got like four days to fix this before my first tournament. And I went to the went to Marshbanks uh, with my wife. And, we and stood that's the dining hall here. At, at the dining hall. And we stood in the cafeteria. And as women came through, I asked them if they owned golf clubs. And one of the young ladies did. Uh, she was in the pharmacy school at Campbell, and uh, she's a pharmacist and a proud Campbell alum. And uh, she, I gave her an expense-paid trip to James Madison to um, play golf, and she participated for, for two days, and that's how we got started. That was our first lineup. When you started coaching, and I know some things have probably changed, and I'll ask you um, what you like most about coaching now a little bit later but when you started it obviously wasn't the money you were building a program there were a lot of obstacles what hooked you into coaching uh i think what hooked me into coaching was that uh it seemed that i was able to develop a good rapport with these young people and my goal was just when I was a player, was you know I needed to I needed to do whatever I needed to do that day to be better, and so that's kind of what what I started on with them. That we didn't have to go from zero to sixty in two seconds, but we had to eventually be able to get to sixty, and we have to work with them, and we'd have to just, and they responded, and they got better, and I and and that's what I enjoyed, and and like that to this day. Three decades later, uh, so many accomplishments that we um, talked about earlier in the intro to, to this, you have recruited and developed some <clears throat> great North American golfers from Canada, from uh, the United States, uh, Brad Fritch from Canada on the PGA Tour now, uh, others on both the men's and women's side that are playing professionally, but also, too, about half your recruits come from around the world, and it's not just a couple countries in Europe. You have recruited people from Tahiti, Sweden, Malaysia, Australia to come to Bowie's Creek. How in the world do you get the world to come here to Bowie's Creek? When your task is to beat uh, Power Five conference schools, then you have to have talent that is equal to the talent that they have. And while I worked my first couple of years really hard at uh, recruiting some of the athletes in the state of North Carolina, I realized I was at a disadvantage. The, the disadvantage 
was that we were a private school and we cost more than a public school. And the disadvantage was that we didn't play on Sunday. What I had to do is I had to find uh, players that those two things weren't deal breakers. I knew enough about the international game to know that in in countries other than the United States, they have national team players. Well, if you're the best player in Australia, and then there's a guy winning the um, U.S. Open or the PGA from Australia, Australia, I mean, they, they're obviously playing at, the, at a very high level. And so <clears throat> that's kind of how we got things started, and we we... we uh, and I would, I would receive letters from people from all over the world that they were interested, and I would kind of go through those things. And and back then I didn't travel to the places; it was all done on the phone and through emails. And um, but I realized that if 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 you if you're going to win consistently at the highest level, well, it's all about talent. And and while I'd love for all the talent, I mean, right now, uh, got Brett McLam who's playing at a very high level from Coates, and you know how great that is that he's one of the premier players in the state of North Carolina now. Um, in fact, I think he was leading it going into the final round um, uh, this year. Uh, <clears throat> but I have to go where there's people that appreciate what we do have at Campbell, maybe not what we don't have. You just made it clear that recruiting talent is so much of the battle and putting together a good team. But besides that, I'll ask you, why are you so successful when you get the talent here? What do you do that develops them and makes them better? Oh, okay. So what's the secret sauce? Is that that's what you the, want to know? The formula exactly to the secret down. sauce. What's okay. I I think they know that I care about them. I think they know that uh, when they get here that literally hundreds of other people I said no to when I but when I picked them. I uh, I think they're when they come in, they come in with the understanding that it's it's my job and 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 my coaching staff job is to help them, and it's not to punish them and it's not to restrict them, it's 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 to help them reach their lifelong goal, and um, and and you know so far it's worked. There's no secret sauce. I mean it's. It's one on one and talking to them and 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 I know what they what goes on in their lives and um, and we just we just try to help them make it through the day sometimes so um, wish I had a better answer for you but I think that's it. Nearly thirty years <clears throat> later, we ask you kind of what hooked you into coaching. Um, you've seen a lot of changes. The game, players. Uh, college kids have changed a lot in three decades so what now are your favorite parts about coaching hadn't changed when you see somebody do something that they haven't been able to do before when they're successful you know that's just you know that that's the same adrenaline rush as when you played and you won 
well, I didn't hit the putt and I didn't hit the shot, and I wasn't the lowest that day, but they were. And so that means that everything we've done and everything that they've done, there was a reason behind it, and there was a, a it's all worthwhile then. And if you've never been in a van uh, with five guys or with five girls after a victory, and you hear you hear them laugh and joke and sing, and 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 you find out what you know just how important what they do is to them. Um, I mean that's just that that's what motivates me. What is your advice? to someone who is just starting out as a coach? And I know you give it a lot because you have a, a lot of very talented assistants that come here. But what's your advice to a coach just starting out? Well, you're very kind to say that I do that a lot. And, 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 I, and, I, and you know, I, I have had some people ask me some questions and uh, I can't presume to know that I have the answers. I know what works for me. I know a way, okay? And and it, it it has to be about them and not about you. And sometimes uh, during my early part of my coaching career, and 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 I'd have somebody that was developing their game, and and I would try to challenge them. And you know, you, you can't let an old man beat you. And. You know, but that didn't that that only made me feel better. That did not help them, and so I had to get away from that pretty quickly. Um, uh, and so, number one, I think you have to be all in. Number two, it has to be about them, and and there has to be a way that you can determine that they're, that they're getting it and that they're getting better. So that's worth two cents. Thank you, Head Coach John Crooks. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you.